Hello and welcome to the Young Musician's Guide podcast. Today we have composer Kevin Day. Um, Kevin is a younger dude. He's going to mention it in here. He is actually 24, um, but he has worked and commissioned a ton of new pieces uh, for wind band and he, he had just had a big euphonium concerto that kind of blew up and um, a lot of other stuff um, I think he says he has almost over a hundred pieces that are actually like out and available to purchase and he's only 24 um, and he's also currently a student so we talk about balancing that a little bit um, some of the things he's learned while being a composer and a student and some of the things that he uh, picked up when he was an undergrad for not composition we get into that a little bit um some of the things he picked up uh that you might not think about when you're composing so if you're interested in becoming a composer we kind of get into like some insider like if you if you want to be a composer these are the things that are really good about it and these are the things that aren't really good about it as well as just talking about generalities of like mentors that he's had and things like that it's a really cool conversation i do want to remind you um that if you want my reaction to this um that is available to patreon patrons um so if you are interested in helping support the show our patreon link is in the description down below or wherever you happen to be watching this um it's in the show notes all that sort of a thing just helps us out everything goes back to the show um and it helps me just keep the website going and keep this feed going, upgrade the equipment, um, hopefully, you know, eventually being able to pay the people who come on and have these conversations. So just consider it. But anyway, no more to do. Let's get into my conversation with the composer, Kevin Day. Who came on? It was, uh, oh, I was talking a little bit to Bill Muter. I don't know if you've met him yet or, you know, been around him, but he's, I mean, just another, you know, white guy who buzzes his head. And we were both talking about it, man. We were just like, yeah, man, that barber bill being zero is so nice. So nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. So, so you're, so you're, you're currently in Texas. Mm -hmm. When did you, when did you have to go back? Uh, so we're, we're not due back in Georgia until August, but I wanted to go ahead and, uh, um, get get to my place a little bit early just because of what's happening with the virus situation here. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, in a situation just in case, like, Texas may decide to close or something weird, and then I'll be on this side. So I'm going to get home a little bit early just to give myself a couple of weeks just to to kind of get over there situated, get, get everything I need for teaching. And then uh, we began on August the 20th. So, nice. And... Yeah. Did you have to get out of there early for anything? Like when when everything was starting mm -hmm. up, did you have to did you have to flee? because uh, <laughs> you know, Kim made cause... a name for himself. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We well, when when everything went down, I, I was actually coming back because I had went to the NASA conference with the with the with the UGA. Um, 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 saxophone choir because we had a, uh, a premiere over there it was wonderful then after that I had to fly to Texas for spring break and then as I'm leaving Texas that that's when everything just kind of starts to happen and everyone's going under quarantine so I made it to um, made it to Atlanta just in time before everything closed down yeah <laughs> and so then I get to Atlanta and everyone's like freaking out and people are getting things and I'm like what is going on so it, it was like, like really crazy, but, um, yeah. So I was getting in just as everything happened. So and you, you said you started your second year at UGA, you said? 
Yes. What are you working on? Uh, right now, I'm working on a master's in music composition. And so um, it's only a two-year program. And so while I'm doing that, I'm also teaching oral skills. So, so I'm teaching people how to, how to sing and how to listen for intervals and for, um, for different kinds of things. So it's been a wonderful time. I mean, my first year was a big like, like teaching moment because like that was my first time to really be in the classroom. And so once I kind of got used to it, then everything just, just, um, um, just worked out. So. Nice. So what advice do you have? So I'm going back to school this fall. But I'm All not going right. To, I mean, and so, <laughs> and I'm terrified, man, uh, because it's been like six years. So what, uh, what grad school advice do you have for an old fart like me going back into it? Because I, oh, I haven't been in school. I graduated with my master's in 2015. So it's been a minute. Mm. Mm. I would, I don't know, because I'm, I mean, this is my first time in grad school. So, I mean, I don't have that much advice. But I would just say, like, what's, what I've had to do is really just, just, like, prioritize my time and to really for me it's 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 kind of a balancing act because i'm because i'm balancing being a teacher being being a grad student and like and like taking classes and then also a composer who has work outside of school so it's a big balancing act so really the, that that's my my whole thing and i'm i'm learning that now i do not have this down to save my life but <laughs> just just being able to to just prioritize my time and in a more effective way <laughs> it's crazy it's so cool that they're letting you teach at uga too because like uh some schools won't let you teach at all unless you already have a master's degree so they'll let doctoral candidates teach but they won't mm -hmm. let people you know master's candidates teach so it's actually really good that they're letting you do that yeah uh, uh i think it's Kind of, it's a little, I understand it because college and you don't want, you know, technically if somebody was to teach there, they would have to have a master's degree if they were going to like apply for that job. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's kind of narrow minded to say like, just because you don't have a master's degree doesn't mean you can't do this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so you, did you get your bachelor's degree in composition? No. So my, my bachelor's degree is in tuba euphonium. Which when I tell pe people that their heads kind of go like, huh? How did you? Wait, how did you make the switch? Right. It's so, in both. <laughs> it's in both. Yeah. So when I was, I came into TCU as a dual performance major because I, I had my original plan was to kind of go the whole military band route or the soloist route. So I was practicing hard on those two instruments. I learned all the tubas. I was playing euphonium, and but it just got very. Uh, um, overwhelming <laughs> I had overcommitted to a lot of things and I was involved in a lot of groups and a lot of different things but my passion for writing was growing at the same time so instead of trying to change my degree because I wanted to change but they're like well if you change your degree this late you'll have to be here longer yeah. which will cause issues so I went ahead and just 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 continued on my um I'm continued on my track and then um, chose to apply for composition. And so now I'm kind of going the composition route, but yes, it's in tuba and euphonium. So was Rich your teacher? Yes. Yes. Richard Murrow. All right. So I'm going to make sure that when I see him in our yearly appointment uh, for FMEA, I'll make, sure get, <laughs> I'll make sure to get all the dirt. Dude, he's, he's, oh so, funny. he's so funny. So like, 
on the mm-hmm. Thursday or Friday, whenever the exhibit halls hit, man, uh, I've got to go. I hang out with Besson for, you know, the first little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go, you know, just give them a hard time for them not bringing my posters. I'm like, you know, there's other bald white euphonium players here, you know, just, like, <laughs> uh, and you know, I give them a hard time with that. And I, I love Donnie Todd to death. So I mess with him. And then mm-hmm. once like the lunch break hits and I can kind of go and talk to some of the other vendors, I go hang out with Rich at the, uh, Miraphone mm-hmm. booth. And it's just, he, he just gets this, <laughs> like this, this look, man. He's so, he's so, yes. he's such a nice guy too. Um, he is, yeah. yeah. And, uh, what I really like is he talks to, he talks to me a lot about like the expectation in Texas and how mm. everybody's like, Oh, Texas, they're just, you know, different creatures like Texas and Japan. Like they just, they're just, just anomalies. No one else could ever possibly do it. And he talks about how like, it's just expectation, you know? Mm. And like, yeah. were you, were you born and raised in Texas? Uh, so I was raised in Texas. I was actually born in Charleston, West Virginia. So my parents are from the East Coast, but they moved here when I was like one one years old. So I was only in West Virginia for one year, and then they raised me here and had my sisters here. So technically, I'm a Texan, but yes. <laughs> so you're an Appalachian boy. I yes, but I wasn't there long enough to see anything. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. and it's so funny, too, because when you drive through West Virginia, I don't know if you've done this, but if you, like, go towards Ohio, it's, like, mm-hmm. gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. <laughs> like, it's just all of a sudden <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So, so you, I assume then that you came up through, like, that, like, Texas band system type stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when did the interest for composition kind of come in? Well, that the interest for for composing and creating was was kind of there pretty early, but it was in a different kind of way. My uh, uh, my dad was a hip hop producer in the 1980s in Southern California. He met my mom, who was a gospel singer in West Virginia. So my first kind of experience creating was learning how to write these tracks because my my dad, when I was a kid, he gave me this program and he was like, "Okay, see what you can do." And so. That was kind of my first kind of beginning with, with, with creating anything. Um, so I was writing these tracks and then uh, tried out for, uh, for band in the sixth grade. I wanted to be a saxophone player, like originally, but they're like, we already have 25 saxes. We got to put you on a brass instrument. <laughs> so I tried a bunch of brass instruments and they're like, let's, let's put you on euphonium. And I'm like, what is a euphonium? And so that's, that's when <laughs> kind of everything opened with that. But um, yeah, look, I came up in the band system, and then while I was do- was doing that, you know, I didn't tell people about this until later, but I was like, uh, uh, um, I was also pretty active as a church piano player and a church organist. I played a lot of gospel music, too, kind of on the side. So really, my whole childhood was these kind of two paths. Like, I was in this kind of classical band orchestra path, and then I was also on this kind of gospel um jazz r&b kind of path so man so that explains why piano players don't hate your music i, <laughs> I play so man man i've been I play, told otherwise <laughs> oh yeah oh really uh, no i just I, i've literally been told by like piano players like man i've gotta i've gotta stop playing tuba rep it's gonna end my career um because they they just transcribe so hard or they pull down Mm -hmm. so hard and like it's like you and you and my buddy joel collier 
who write, mm-hmm. you know, for the instrument. And he also was very similar. He came up in the Salvation Army, so he came up playing church piano and all that sort of a thing, too. And it seems like mm-hmm. the both of you guys seem to know, like, piano cannot go, like, on the E up here and then end up on B1 <laughs> over here. Like, and you right. guys know. Yes. That, you know, him <laughs> don't care, but uh, Kevin Day care. So, you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a t-shirt find that in the merch store uh yes, so merch so, so first off your parents were like in the best places they could possibly be at the time that they were doing what they were doing mm-hmm. so how does how did i'm just curious this has nothing to do with you i'm curious how did they end up meeting because they're literally on opposite sides of the world so my my dad is originally from west virginia he's from a small town called logan and so my mom is from charleston which is the capital and so my dad he grew up in logan went to school there then later in life he moved out to california to kind of get away and then to do his whole like like his his whole producing thing he was a part of a group he did all that then he he came back home to work at a radio uh, uh, to, to work at this radio place in Charleston where he met my mom who had a sh- so, so she had a show on this radio um, place and so did my dad so that's where they met so he he met her when he returned from California gotcha so it's really and, really really crazy and then they were all right so like they were like California dreaming we had the West Virginia you know Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going on, and then they were just good. Okay, we're gonna land in the middle and just hang out in Texas. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, what, were you did were you composing in high school? Like, did your band directors give you that opportunity, or how did that work out? Yeah. So in high school, I was mostly writing like like from my friends, and I was writing like small arrangements of things. Um, and then kind of later on near the end of high school, I got to write a piece for my senior class, which we got to premiere with the orchestra and they got to let me, um, um, I'm conducted as well. And so really that, that was kind of my debut piece. It's a piece called journey. And so that was like my, my piece for the senior class. And so that, once we did that, um, that really, I guess made me want to go more into composition because like um, with, with this piece, there was a lot of people who encouraged me and they were like, Kevin, you need to keep writing. You, you really like, like you have a gift. And so when I didn't believe in myself, they, there was a lot of people who were just like, no, we, we believe you have something. Keep, keep going. So that's, so really high school was, a, was, was a nice kind of cha- uh, training ground to be able to to write just just small things and then once i got into tcu that's when i really got into writing for larger and larger groups really cool so why then so you you were developing you know this passion for the writing and Mm -hmm. you know people were encouraging you to write more so why did you go with the performance track well it (laughs) by that time since we did journey when i had already applied to school so i was already coming in um, to TCU, I had already accepted my scholarship, so, so that was kind of my my plan, and so I couldn't really deviate from that until I got there. But then a couple of years down the line, when I wanted to change, they were like, "Well, it's going to take some more time if you want to do this." So um, it was really it took a few conversations <laughs> with some people at TCU, and I had a lot of people who encouraged me to go the composition route. Cause I can always play. I can always 
like if I wanted to get get back on the horn again and and work up my excerpts and work up everything I mean that'll always be there but my my passion for writing is really what's what's kind of guiding me kind of kind of in this in this very interesting direction so it's it's a place I never really thought I would um would be in yeah and it's it seemed obviously you've been able to be successful despite not going through you know undergrad doing composition and a lot of schools don't even have it like in the first place Mm -hmm. um they don't have a composition program most school i mean most most non-gigantic state schools will have Mm -hmm. like music and a performance you know and so what so when you were in there and you were writing were you just like constantly pestering like theory teachers and composition teachers and stuff like that and like knocking on their doors and asking them questions or did yes, you just I was yes I was that kid I was asking questions I wanted to take lessons and so while while I was doing my my um my performance track I was taking composition lessons I was going to all the to to everything they had and so I was asking a lot of questions and so my my uh, really, my sophomore year is when I began working with a teacher for the first time. And so he looked at some of my music and he's like, okay, we got some work to do. <laughs> we <definitely laughs> got some work to do. So once he saw that, he, he was the one to really help me kind of um, to, to, to hone my craft a little bit um, more. He opened my my uh, mind to a lot of different kinds of music I'd never even heard before. And, and we went through scores and... So I was getting all these lessons while I was also practicing my horn and, and, and you know, doing competitions and all that. So um, he was really the one who, who is my inspiration to, to become a composer, to, to really just, just to be like, like this is what I want to, um, um, to hone in on and to work on. So what were some of the things because a lot of people i mean a lot of people myself included who don't i don't understand the compositional side at all Mm -hmm. like that is that is square peg round hole like i do not (laughs) so is it is it like and when you i I don't know if you had this impression when you went in but you think it's like okay i just you know to be a better composer i need to expand my theoretical knowledge and my like counterpoint writing and all that kind of a thing It, it but i assume there's way more to it than that so what, yeah. were, what were some of the things that you kind of learned uh, while you were pestering these guys? Well, if- <laughs> yeah, it was um, really one thing my, my teacher honed in on with me was he knew since I had kind of this church kind of upbringing where like I had to listen to everything to be able to play. We had no sheet music. So everything I was learning was was basically by hearing so he knew that I could kind of pick up things very easily so he he wanted to capitalize on that and so he just had me listen to a whole bunch of different things I was listening to a lot of contemporary music a lot of the avant-garde I was listening to a lot of wind band um and so he just wanted me to just absorb it like a sponge (laughs) so most of our lessons really involved just just listening and talking about music and then there's also, I mean, there's obviously techniques you learn. He taught me some techniques about orchestration, about counterpoint, and about um, just just how to create and and like how to have a structure. But really, it was it was a lot of listening because that's just how I learn 
the easiest really is like if I hear something, I can pick it up and and be able to incorporate it in some kind of way. So what's um give us some music nuggets that you've been listening to that are really <laughs> impactful. Oh man. Well I listen to a lot like let's see. I would say as far as like kind of more on the contemporary side of things, I got into a lot of like like Peter Graham's music, um, um, Jennifer Higdon. Um, I really enjoy her music. And then also like like David Lang and um, John Corigliano. So we, we just listen to a lot of that. And then kind of on the jazz like side, there's a lot of Joshua Redman, Kamasi Washington, Robert Glasper, uh, all that stuff. And then um, as a euphonium player, I mean, I was listening to a lot of David Childs, listening to DeMondre, listening to Stephen Mead. And so um, just, just the different kinds of compositions for each of those were just really interesting to me. I was very curious about it. And you, you, I mean, you grew up obviously in the tuba euphonium world. I mean, you've got a degree in it. Um, and they, that community has seemed to very much open, you know, their arms to you as they do. They, they tend to find composers that they like, and then they will just ask them to write their heads off. But um, you've seen, <laughs> you've seen some success outside of that instrument family um, and larger ensembles as well. Um, you know, was that, was that difficult for you both to learn and also to get the work to do it? Or did people, you know, hear your tuba you stuff or how'd that go? Well, it's weird. Cause I didn't even start writing for my instrument until, you know, much later than I, <laughs> than I probably wanted to. I was getting a lot of wind band, um, pieces and a lot of orchestra pieces. And so, uh, since I began composing classical music in 2012 the first time I really wrote a piece for our instrument was the euphonium concerto that was really the big like piece and so everything else kind of before that like I had written like a tuba euphonium uh, a tuba euphonium ensemble piece that was like a slow piece for Richard Murrow but everything else has just been outside of my instrument so yeah it was just very late whenever I got the call to write a tuba euphonium piece, but now it's like, now I'm getting a lot of tuba euphonium kind of things happening. Oh yeah. Just so, ask Jim, yeah. just ask Jim Grant, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, I, I always compare it to like the, uh, when Harry Potter gets his letter, like that first one, it's like whatever. And then eventually it's pouring out, you know, and it's, you're going to be like, you know, you're going to like Sundays cause you can't get a euphonium commission on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> And so you just, I know, so Kale just played your piece at CBDNA. Mm -hmm. um, and and that, that concerto's kind of made the rounds. Um, but how many, I'm curious, and you might not know off the top of your head, I mean, but you're, you've got a handful of published works. Do you have any idea how many or about how many? So there's, there's pieces that I have published with um, Murphy Music Press. And there's a couple other ones with some smaller publishers, but every thing else I kind of self-published but uh right now I have a catalog of about 158 pieces how uh, are maybe you? a little bit more than that uh I'm 24 <laughs> how I'm many 24. pieces do you write in a year Jesus uh it's it's been around the like the 30 to 45 range I've been writing a lot in my spare time and so there's like most of my catalog is actually chamber works and I haven't even gotten a lot of those even played, but I'm just writing constantly. I'm always writing something or, 
it's it's a never ceasing kind of cycle i would say do you do you balance like maybe you have like i don't know just throw some other like working on a string quartet at the same time as you're working on like a clarinet concerto as you're working on an orchestra piece like can you do that or do you have to be like one piece at a time <laughs> I, I want to do one piece at a time but i think i, I kind of got myself into a into a bit of a hole where I took on too many things. So, so now I'm writing like 10 pieces at once and I'm just like, okay, I, this can't happen again. So once again, it's, it's just, I have to do better with that in the future and just try to space, uh, um, try to, try to, to space some things out a little bit more is what I would say. Yeah, what are you, yeah, like, you, can, you can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> It's not like you have yeah, coming sleep? up who in the spring sleep? or anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I'm working on pieces at the same time, which, gotcha. which is, it's really just a mental switch I have to, to, to make whenever I'm creating. So if I'm working on this piece and then I switch gears, I listen to it in finale and I'm like, okay, we're in this, we're in this world. And then, so, so that's kind of how I create is I try to be able to switch from one piece to the next. I mean, it's, it kind of sounds like you treat, you're treating your pieces like I treat anime, but you know. Uh, oh God! I got, I, got, I got started. I got start a new one, man. Uh, always got to start a new one. What's your books. favorite anime? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a very stock answer, and I'm gonna say My Hero. I mean, there's no other My anime. Hero. Yeah, there's no other anime that makes me cry every season like that. You kidding me? That's yeah, awesome. You know, like the, like they're, uh, yeah, no, it, it's just like, I still, I'll play the, I'll play voiceovers of like, of stuff and I'll like play little clips and it's just like, it's just, you might as well be playing like veterans coming home and seeing their baby daughters for the first time. You might as well, it's like this same reaction from me, just, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's bad. Um, so, so. I, I'm curious. So you, you mentioned Finale. So obviously, I mean, everybody's using programs nowadays. Do you compose exclusively at the computer? Do you freehand some? Do you do piano stuff? Like, how does that process work? It's mostly at the computer. Um, but I've had pieces where I've written out ideas. I usually have like a, like a, a usually I have like sketches where like I'll write down ideas and I'll um, may use it for this piece or I may like just just keep it in there for something else but yeah most of the time it's at the computer there there have been a few cases where I have gone to the to the piano but not as much which is weird since I'm a jazz piano player like I would want to be at the piano but most of the time I really just hear everything like in my head and it's it's able to kind of translate to, to the computer nice so. um and do you feel like because do you, do you feel like that workspace is just like the most uh, efficient for you, or do you feel like that's where you can be the most creative without boundaries? Or because um, I know some guys who are like, you know, I have to sit down and I have to take pen to paper first, and then they'll transcribe it into. And I know people who are like, you know, and then you know you hear the jokes about like guys like you know, I doubt he's ever gonna listen to this, but you hear like the joke that like John Mackey plays a computer, he doesn't play you know an <laughs> instrument. You know, mm -hmm. and so do you, do you feel like that's the medium where, in which you can be the most creative and productive or? Yeah, because like it, it kind of goes back to me being like an auditory learner. Like I learn and I do everything like very much by relying on what I hear versus what I see. So that's why like I work at the computer um, um, a whole lot like 
more just because I can hear everything like and especially with this kind of playback that I have now this this will kind of tell me kind of as close as it could be to a real um to to like the actual like like piece being played so that that's really like uh freeing to me just because I feel like I can be the most creative I don't feel like I have the restrictions of not being able to hear gotcha Awesome. So I'm gonna, I have a, a handful of questions, but I also don't sure want to take up too much of your time. So we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. So okay. um, it, there's no time or anything like that, but I'm just going <laughs> to throw something at you. Um, and just, okay. these are just general questions that I feel yeah. like, I mean, this show is kind of geared towards people who are either in their undergrad or about to start their undergrad and might be interested, you know, uh, in possibly doing what you do. So with mm-hmm. that, let's talk about some of the things that you do. Um, so big, the big first question is, what is your favorite thing about working as a composer? I think it's just the, the freedom to be able to create. It's, it's really cool to, to kind of to, to work alone, create this piece. And then the, the payoff is always like, like, like hearing your piece played because often you'll either go like, yeah, that was pretty good, or, ah, that wasn't so good. <laughs> so, and then you can go back and revise and do what you need to do. So it's, it's a really cool process. I like, like each piece I'm often terrified to write because I don't know what's going to happen. And then once I kind of ease into it, then um, it just goes really smoothly. So it, there's a lot of freeness to, to composing that I enjoy. Awesome. Now, is most of your work commission or do you write stuff that you just want to write um, or a mixed bag? Uh, most of it now has been um, 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 has been um, has been commissions. And so there, there's a lot of those pieces um, 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 that are that are coming on the horizon. And so there there are a couple of small projects that I want to do that like like these are like my 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 passion projects. I want to make a jazz album. I want to do something with like a videographer. But it's like where right now there's just not enough time to be able to do that. But but, but those are two things I would love to do uh, once I get some time <laughs> to just kind of settle, uh, create the jazz album, and then have the videographer thing. So, so who can you list off at, uh, like maybe two or three mentors that you currently have in composition? Yeah. So I would say Frank to Kelly has, has been a wonderful mentor to me um, as well as Gabriella Lena Frank, as well as um, John Mackey. And I mean, there, there's, there's many more who, uh, um, who've kind of taken me under their wing who've, um, been very open to my questions and just who helped me to kind of navigate this whole um, this 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 whole composer thing. Um, so it's been really nice to just be able to reach out to these people and they're they're very open and very receptive and um, have have just just really um, been able to give me great advice and just be there, um, which has been nice. Is the um, composer community at large? I'm I'm sure there's everybody, but have they been somewhat welcoming? Because they could see yeah. younger person, younger person, and they go, "Oh no," you know. 
<laughs> no, for the most part, they, it, it has been wonderfully welcoming. I have a lot of great friends who are in the composer community and it's, it's, it's really cool just, just people to come together and hear each other's pieces and talk about music and then just, just, just hang out as well. So it's a very, very welcoming community. So on the opposite end now of that spectrum, Mm-hmm. What are some things that are like kind of not what they seem or like things that impressions that you might have had about what a composer does or what the work of a composer is that you would warn younger people like, hey, if you can't do this or you're not ready to, for this, don't do it, <laughs> you know, type of a thing. Definitely the business side of composing. I didn't realize like there was once once I got into this, there's a lot with like music business that that I didn't know that I should have probably knew before I got into this but that would be my biggest are you talking like like, marketing or are you talking like taxes uh, everything under the sun yes yes okay yes (laughs) (laughs) just because I'm still learning this once again I mean I'm 24 I'm there's a lot that I don't know and so that's why like I reach out to people and ask like okay how do I do this how do I file my taxes how do I even calculate all of this how do i market like it, so there there's a lot of things that they don't teach you in school um to have a composer career that um you 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 definitely will need to know like if that is the route you want to go cool yeah and that's that's cool that you say that because it seems like most of the time with almost any career um you know you never hear a band director say well yeah i just i just don't like staying on the podium like, you know, like if, if, they, if they leave the profession there, it's always, you you know, you always hear something else. Like people who, you know, necessarily like didn't necessarily like playing in, in like a military band. It's typically has nothing to do with I hated concerts. Like it t- it's not normally that, you know. And so with composition, you don't really see that. You go like, oh, it just seems hard. And it, like on an outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what... Um, what advice do you have for any anybody who's kind of thinking about it or they're starting to dip their toes into the music world? Um, what advice would you have for those people? I would just say, and I mean this this is this may be be kind of um, cliche, but but listen within yourself. Listen to to what you want to do, and be open to the fact that you that you, your passions may change, like. I was one of those people in undergrad who had one path that I wanted to go down and then it kind of changed. And so I had a lot of friends where that happened as well. They wanted to go into music and then they were like, you know what? I don't want to do that. Maybe I'll go into pre-med or maybe I'll go into another kind of like, like thing. And also vice versa. Like I've had like, like, like there are a few colleagues of mine who became like, like music majors later in school and even though like like they came in with one like path that they wanted to do so that would be my biggest advice if you're going into school if you're going to into college really really listen to yourself the first couple of years and and really look within to see okay is this really what i want to do or maybe do i have a passion to 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 go a whole nother route awesome great um so this is a personal question for me. I'm just curious. So you're kind of, you're still in your journey. You know, we're talking, you know, we're giving advice to people who are kind of starting their journey, but I would say you're probably in, you know, still, you know, at the get-go right, in a lot of ways. I mean, you're still very young, master's degree, second year in it. Um, what's the, 
do you have any do you have any end goal or is it just get good at composition like <laughs> is there like a certain job that you're aiming for or like you you know when you retire this is what it says about you wow i you know i have one goal in mind i know i want to be a composition um teacher be a be a prof at a major university that that's always been a goal of mine because like no one in my family has a doctorate in anything or even a college degree so like um my goal has always kind of to 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 push through to to do that but i'm also kind of realizing like well if things pick up more and more then that goal may have to be postponed just just a little bit later or whatever but really i guess the goal is like if i could i would love to to just to just be able to, to live and to compose and to to not be stressed out all the time as well because <laughs> school is stressful life is stressful but um there's there's often there's a lot of peace that, that i have with composing and with working with other people so i don't know i think i think my goal may change i think my goal has always been to to like get a doctorate go teach you know have that job but then there things may happen down the line where I'm like, you know what, maybe I don't need to do that right now. Maybe I need to take a couple of years to, to just chill, to just write, to go move somewhere else. Or so I'm just right now, I think I'm very open to wherever life is, is, is going to take me. Nice, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I know for me, for sure, if I started my doctorate right after I started my master's, I would not have appreciated it as much as I'm about to. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's good that you are, you're, you're taking that into consideration. Working's not a bad thing, you know? <laughs> Work, working is not a bad, making money as opposed to burning it is, you know, that's not, that's not the <laughs> thing, man. All right, hey, uh, so where, do you, do, are you, do you have any big projects right now that you're working on that you wanna plug? Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit. And um, right now I know because of CBDNA, there's one project that may be postponed. I don't know yet, but right now there's, there's a lot of concerti projects <laughs> kind of in the works. There's the, there's the concerto for wind ensemble with the university of Georgia. And then there's a tuba concerto that is, that is um, what is going to be premiered at CBDNA. But now I think we're going to do it next year. So tuba concerto um, based on the music of Metallica and Nine Inch Nails will be available next year. Uh, that was by the soloist request, so, so who, hopefully who, I yeah, succeeded that, in that. That's the um, question. <laughs> who is premiering that? So this was written for Jeremy Lewis. He teaches at West Texas A&M. He's a really fantastic player, and um, um, he, he is going to premiere with the West Texas A&M Wind Symphony next year. So that's going to be really cool. And then a couple down the line that I'm just kind of getting the approval for and everything. There's a, there's a duo concerto for saxophone and euphonium coming in 2022. And then there is another one for trombone, piano, and orchestra. So, so, so those are like the big <coughs> kind of pieces. So the, the, the concerti are coming. Which, uh, which saxophone? Uh, so it'll be alto saxophone. Nice. And euphonium. Yeah. Nice. We get along, us euphonium players and saxophone players get along real good. Because mm -hmm. both of our instruments are neglected. <laughs> Except by Granger. Uh, so. Granger. So where can we find you? 
Uh, you can go to kevindaymusic.com. You can also look up me on, on Instagram and Facebook and um, just, just type in Kevin Day or search. Um, um, the, the handle is at Kevin Day Music. Yep, and I literally Google searched Kevin Day Composer and like six things popped up right away. So not hard to find. And of course, all of those things will be in the descriptions or the show notes or whatever it is you're listening to this thing on. Uh, hey, so every, every guest, I always ask if you have a little phrase or something like that that you want to say for a sign-off. If not, I have the stock phrase that we use for the show. But would you like to sign us off? Uh, you go ahead. I don't have any phrase. <laughs> You're the host. I'll let you. <laughs> uh, I always love putting y'all on the spot like that. Hey, hey, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for saying yes to this and having this conversation with me and um, giving us your you, insight. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of old folks, so it's nice to talk to somebody who is, you know, is closer to age and to the people that I'm talking to as well and has been as successful as you have been. Um, keep working. I, I know – you are wildly stressed out because of all the things you're doing, but being stressed, <laughs> being stressed in art means you're doing something right. All right, man. Uh, hey, guys, again, this is uh, Kevin Day. I'm Aaron Campbell. This is the Young Musician's Guide, and we are reminding you to be happy but never satisfied.